Any of you who uh, follow our Facebook page will know my topic for this morning. I think it really follows on very much from what we looked at last Sunday, for those of you who are here, um, where I felt like God's word for us as a church family for 2022 is the word open. And we unpacked a lot of what openness means last week. And then God's been working in my heart this week uh, where that openness comes from. And of course, it comes from him. And it's his love that comes to us that enables us to be open. So if you didn't hear last week, I encourage you to listen to that again. It's on the website. It's in the podcast feed. Because it really is a foundation for who we are as a church family. And that's where I'm picking up from this morning. I am excited about this morning because I feel like this really is a a foundational theme for who we are, uh, who we are as a church family, why we're here. Uh, And so my objective this morning is to explore together, first of all, how different God's love is from how we generally live. (laughs) So brace yourself, okay? (laughs) And then secondly, to invite you to receive that love more fully. So that's where we're going. And let me preface this. Some of you have seen the mug that Jane got from the the pastor resource place that says, yes, I'm a pastor, and no, this morning's message was not specifically about you. (laughs) So let me say that at the beginning. If anything in here kind of hits you, it's not because I'm picking on you. It's because these are the themes, this is the foundation of who we are as a church family. And I think as I glance around the room, practically every one of you has heard me say some of these things when I've been talking to you individually or I've been encouraging you or being helpful to you. And so I'm not getting at you, okay? So just put that aside. Uh, None of your names are in my notes. They may be on Holy Spirit's agenda for this morning, but they're not in my notes. Okay, so we're going to start out in John chapter 3. So come with me to John chapter 3. I'd like to actually kind of read this with some Mark interruptions. And if you're reading with us in the New Testament reading um, program that we've started, that's the the easy one for those who only like to read five days a week, not the the difficult one for seven days a week. Um, But this is what we're coming to next Friday. So if you like, by being here this morning, you're catching a bit of a jump on next Friday's reading. Just a little insight there. Okay, so John chapter 3 is the meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus. And when we talk about God's love, What we're really talking about is where religion meets relationship. That was my kind of subtitle for this morning. And that's what I felt as I was looking at this this week. Let me read it and, and like I say, interrupt in the the verses as we go through. So John chapter 3, starting from verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here's one of the boss men of religion, one of the chiefs of religion, and what he's showing us by what he says to Jesus is that religion recognizes power and religion recognizes results. Okay? Read on. Jesus answered him, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> so Jesus cuts right across that whole religious thing. And, and yes, okay, religion recognizes power and results, but Jesus is offering transformation. <laughs> That's a little different, right? <laughs> How many of us could do with transformation rather than just power and results this morning? Yeah, okay. And power and results is okay if you happen to be on the side that gets the results. But if you're not, it's not so great. But transformation is always effective. Okay, Mark, stop interrupting. Keep going on. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter uh, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So here's religion speaking again. And religion really can only deal with what is known, what we understand. Because religion is a human thing. But Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you notice he said that twice now. When Jesus repeats himself like that, you really need to listen up. Because <laughs> this is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that he knows the difference between the human and the divine. At this point, he's the only one who knows the difference between the human and the divine. But now that knowledge, that understanding, that experience is open to all of us. We can all taste God and not just humanity. He goes on and says this, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what's born of the Spirit is from God and not from me. Right? It's from God and not from me. Keep reading. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How appropriate on a morning like this that Jesus is talking about the weather. Because <laughs> how many of us woke up this morning and realized, hey, the wind was blowing. Well, where did it come from? I don't know. Where is it going? I mean, it's, you know, it's half gone already. <laughs> By the time we get out of here, the weather should be much better than it was when we woke up this morning. We don't know where it comes from, where it goes. Same with the Spirit. <laughs> Jesus is offering powerful freedom to Nicodemus. He's like, you can step out of what you know, that's religion, and into what you don't know that's far more powerful. But guess what? To step out of what you do know and into what you don't know, it's kind of scary, right? Yeah. And of course, Nicodemus is scared. In fact, Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? Because religion is always uncomfortable being out of control. Mm -hmm. So, to the extent that I feel uncomfortable being out of control, I'm feeling religion in me. Religion is always uncomfortable being out of control. So, I will say that again, even though it's not in my notes and I have to try and remember it. To the extent that I feel uncomfortable being out of control, that's me seeing religion in me. 
Mm. Ow. Okay. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, <laughs> he says it again. This is three times now. We speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. <laughs> There's a lot in there, but I just want to pick out one thing, that Jesus wants Nicodemus, and he wants you and me, to know divine relationship as well as human effort. He wants us to experience what he himself experiences, relationship with the Father. He goes on to say those very famous words in verse 15, verse 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's the heart of this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's all about love. It's all about love. And the word for love there in the Greek is agape, which is divine love. In fact, 1 John 4, I'll come to that in a, in a little while here. 1 John 4 verse 8 tells us God is agape. God is love. It's the divine nature that Jesus is describing here. And we'll unpack what that agape looks like in just a moment. Let's just get to the end of this passage first. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So here's a contrast. You've got condemned on one side and saved on the other. And Jesus came to put us firmly on this side and not that side. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now hit pause for a second and remember that we're talking about the difference between religion and relationship. And most of us, and I'm pointing fingers at me, not at you, but most of us have experienced enough religion that we hear the word condemned wrongly. We think God is that angry guy with the big stick and a clipboard checking off where you got it wrong so you're going to be condemned. That's not what the word condemned means there. It simply means to be separated or to, be, to decide between right and wrong. in a way that reveals what's going on. It's to, it's to judge, if you like, but it's not an external judgment. It's something we do by choosing. You see, what did Jesus say? God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. I'm not here to point out what you've done wrong and to tell you that you're failing. 
I am not here to expose where you got it wrong and to separate you from the people who've got it right. Very clear, very important that our hearts hear this. That is not the purpose of Jesus coming to you and me. The purpose of Jesus coming to you and me is to make us safe, that the world might be saved through him. That word sozo that you'll hear a lot through this spring because we're going to bring in some training uh, from Bethel about the sozo ministry where each of us can step into a greater level of sozo. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means safety. So that's why Jesus comes, is to make you and me whole, complete, safe with God. If you like, Jesus doesn't pick winners and losers. Jesus brings losers into wholeness. Religion, in fact any human structure, is all about winners and losers. It's all about separating and deciding who's in and who's out, who's right and who's wrong. Our current manifestation of it is cancel culture. But cancel culture is not new. It's as old as human beings. <laughs> you know, you're out, I'm in. Sorry about that. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, we've always been like that, and there's something about all of us that's like that, right? If you think that doesn't apply to you, drive on 501. It comes out. You can't help it. Right? Or go to Walmart. Get back to the text, Mark, quick. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's about the people and the choices they make. It's not about God pointing out where you are wrong and condemning you. Jesus comes to show us what God is like. The separating and the judging is not something God does to us, and it's certainly not something we should do to others. It's not about anger with sin. It's the choice of each one of us. Now, every one of us knows that there are times in our lives where we make the wrong choices. And we step into the darkness. And when I choose darkness, then I'm choosing judgment. But when I choose light, I'm choosing love. And when I choose love, I choose God, whether I recognize him or not. So whenever I'm cho choosing to be known in all of my weakness and all of my failure, but I'm choosing to be transparent, to walk in the light, the Bible calls it, that's when I'm choosing God. So let's do a, a, a check for a second here. If you know you've failed in your life some point, could you raise a hand? Okay, I'm in the right place. Yes, you can stand up if you want to. You can raise both hands. You can put both legs in the air. We've all failed, haven't we? 
It's part of being human. We all fall short of God's standards. We've all failed. <laughs> Doesn't surprise God. When you and I failed, we chose darkness. Didn't we? Yeah? But don't look so glum because the light still shines. The light still shines. God is light. God is love. God is agape. It's the opposite of our human nature. Because, you know, when, when I've failed in my life, it's when I've been focused on me. It's when I've done things my way. It's when I've done things the way everyone else is doing them, rather than according to what God shows us in his word and in his son. So there's these different Greek words for love, and the word we're focusing on is agape. The word I'm going to use from Greek to signify the human side of this equation is eros. That's human nature. That's human love. Now, the word eros is not in the New Testament because by the time the New Testament was written, it was already twisted into what we call erotic. Okay? It was twisted. But when it was ori originally, the Greek word eros means human love. It falls short of God's love. And the contrast is very helpful to us. So if you're taking notes, I see many of you are, good for you. Let's do a sort of two-column thing, which will mess up the people on their smartphones. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. We've got a picture of it? All right, well, let's erase it then, and let's put it on the whiteboard. Let's do a contrast in two columns. When I say eros, I mean human nature, or you could say I mean sin, because it's falling short of God's standard. When I say agape, I mean God's motive, God's nature, God's likeness. So we can put eros at the top on the left and agape at the top on the right. Can you? Yes, please. Thank you. Well done, Jane. Look at this. Under eros, we can put the word acquire. Because that's eros's fundamental motive. It's to acquire. It's a gimme, gimme, gimme kind of motive. Whereas agape is all about give. So eros wants to acquire, agape wants to give. In addition, eros is trying to claw its way to the top. If you want a word, you'd put higher, maybe. Higher as in climb higher. Do you remember the fall of Satan in Isaiah 14? I will ascend. I will do it my way. I'm going to get, I will make my throne higher than everybody else's throne. That's Eros. And we're all full of it. <laughs> right? Come on, it's not just me. <laughs> But agape 
is what we see in Jesus. Goes lower. Humbles. Philippians 2. Eros is man's way to God. He seeks God for what he can do for me. I don't know how you're going to do that, but you can. Eros is man's way to God, where I seek God for what he can do for me. It's all about me. Yep, there you go. I suppose the simplest way is seeks to find God. So that's Eros. It's me trying to climb to God. To find God by, by you know, by reading my Bible or by coming to church or by being a good person or or whatever, and you hear it again and again, don't you? Oh, God will accept me because. Well, it's there is definitely self-effort. I'm going to come to that in a second. Whereas agape is God's way to me, where God is seeking me, for relationship and for intimacy. Do you catch the difference in motivation? It's not me trying to climb higher to find God. It's God coming lower to find me. Because he wants relationship. He wants intimacy with us. So Eros seeks to find God. Agape seeks to be found by God. Eros strives to earn God's love. That's the try harder part of religion. <laughs> but agape is at rest. At rest in grace, at rest in love. At rest like a, a weaned child in his mother's arms. Hmm? That's good. Uh, strive would be on the Eros side. Strive to earn. So we've already said that Eros is self-centered. It's all about me. But agape is others-centered. Agape always gives itself away for the sake of others. Key thing with Eros acquiring, we don't need to write any more for this, but just to come back to the beginning there, is it's all about meeting an unmet need. It's that I've got this emptiness in me, and I'm striving to fill it. Whereas agape is complete. <laughs> Gives freely. Because Eros is about getting hold of something, Eros recognizes value in whatever it's focused on, and it loves it because it has value. Eros loves the value. 
in something. I'm trying to simplify as best I can for you, sweetheart, so you can get it on the chart. Whereas by contrast, agape creates value by loving. Agape creates value by loving. We talked about brokenness earlier, Carol. I love that. Do you know about the Japanese tradition of kintsugi? Where you take a broken dish and you mend it with gold. So suddenly, instead of being broken and useless, it becomes useful and far more valuable than it was before it was broken. <laughs> That's exactly a picture of agape. <laughs> God takes all your broken pieces and mends them with his gold and you're far more valuable after the brokenness. So if we come back to this striving to earn and finding value, Eros earns and needs, but Agape is complete and gives. Eros always has an agenda. Agenda-driven relationships. So my love for you depends on the quality you have or the worth that you have or the beauty that you have or, or the position that you have. And so I love the higher on the scale more than I love the lower on the scale. It's agenda-driven. But agape loves all equally and freely. So relationships in Eros are agenda-driven. It's motivated by what others can do for me. Whereas relationships in agape have no agenda but just to serve and to honor and to love. And so the way that works out in our relationships, and this is where the rubber hits the road for all of us <laughs> human beings, <laughs> Eros always finds fault and keeps score. Don't we? <laughs> but agape persuades to make whole. So there's always that reaching out and wanting better for you, wanting more for you. persuades to make whole. I'm nearly done, so I know you're running out of space. <laughs> Eros fears loss and becomes enslaved. Fears loss and becomes a slave, enslaved. Whereas agape gives freedom. 
without hesitation or limit or condition. Agape gives freedom without hesitation, without limit, without condition. So to circle us back to the beginning, and again, this doesn't need to go on the board, but Eros is human-focused, even when seeking God. But agape is always God's love, even when it's expressed by human beings. And that's why the choice is so important. That's why the difference is so significant. Because what Jesus came to do was to give and demonstrate and release agape. So that's the heritage of you and me. Because in the end, eros is sin and agape is sinless. <laughs> if you boil it right down. And it's interesting in John 3.16 that God so loved that he gave so that whoever believes shall not perish. That's faith. That word believe is the same word translated faith. It's pistis in the Greek. And it means divine persuasion. Faith is not something you work up in yourself. Faith is something you receive by being persuaded by God's revelation, God's presence, God's love. So when I'm persuaded by God's love, then I love as God loves. Thank you, sweetheart. We're done with that. No, I'm good. Thank you. So let's wrap it up and land the plane and respond. <laughs> we all live with Eros, but we don't have to live in Eros. Because Holy Spirit wants to lavish agape on us. That's Romans 5, verse 5. It says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Holy Spirit is always here to pour love into us. That's why I love when we get together like this. Because <laughs> you wouldn't have experienced the love of God by staying in bed looking at the rain in the same way as you're experiencing the love of God by coming together with others who are also just as broken, just as full of eros as I am. Not as you are, as I am. <laughs> but who love anyway with agape that comes as a gift from the Holy Spirit. That's why we always make room for Holy Spirit in our gathering together. Because if you're going to get touched by God, it's not because I'm coming to pray for you. It's that actually I am allowing God to pour life into me and it kind of overflows and you get the overflow. Thank you, Father, for the overflow. That's why I love this picture. <laughs> There's treasure in Catch the Fire, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> because of the fire, because of the myrtle, because of all of these people in the water, not on the beach. <laughs> all receiving the love that God has for us. Okay, let's just put in a few practical points and then we'll pray for one another and for more of God. 
Here's one practical point that I've learned as I've been walking in this revelation for a while now. Comparison is always a trap. You can look around this room and you can see people who look more holy than you and you can look, see people who look less holy than you and you either lose because you fall into pride or you lose because you fall into shame. Either way you lose. <laughs> the question is not, am I more holy than anyone else or am I less holy than anybody else? All of that's eros, isn't it? That's trying to get higher, clawing my way to somewhere better. The question is, is Holy Spirit pouring agape into my heart right now? And he is, and he will, and he continue to do so. I said this earlier, but let me repeat it. Because we're human, we keep score. <laughs> we gain points with God or we lose points with God in our imagination because of our actions, because of our motives, because of what's known about us, and because of what we keep secret. We keep score of ourselves, but then we also keep score on others, especially those closest to us. And keeping score is eros. God doesn't keep score. It's religion that excludes based on scoring. That's what Nicodemus was struggling with. God always includes with agape. I'll tell you something I've learned. When I keep score to exclude others, I'm in trouble when I fail next because now I exclude me. I heard a few amens there. I'm obviously not the only one. Don't do it. God doesn't. God does not exclude you. For God so loved the good people, mm -mm. the world, all y'all, yes, all y'all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hey, you know the spirit's moving when the Englishman starts speaking southern. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. God desires all people to be saved. Sozo again. Wholeness. Rest. All y'all. Yes. Or if you want to go to the three musketeers, remember all for one and one for all? Well, there's one for all. His name is Jesus. To save all for one. The Father. There is one for all. His name is Jesus. To save all for one. The Father. Mm. This is so vital, isn't it? 
Because the only way you and I can live this is when the Holy Spirit dumps it on us so we overflow. <laughs> right? You won't, please don't try harder <laughs> to love like God loves. <laughs> That's just eros. It's not going to work. I promise I've tried it for years. So let's land this because time is gone. Number one, I need a redo on my motives, on my actions, on my daily life, <laughs> on my values. I need to receive freedom from God for all of the things that I do wrong. Anything that separates me from God. Every time I step out of the light and into the darkness, I need a redo. Good news is I can have one because love, agape, covers sin. That's First Peter 4 verse 8 if anybody's still taking notes. Love covers sin. What that means is you can't see what's inside love. When love covers sin, you can't see what's in there. Actually, here's an envelope. It says Pastor Mark. You have no idea what's in this envelope because it covers what's inside it. You've got no clue, and I'm not going to tell you because it's covered. And God feels the same way about your sin. It's covered. Don't you go pulling it out and waving it around. God's covered it. So let's pause and give anything to God we need to. Receive his forgiveness to cover it. Just in the quietness for a second here. God, I'm giving it to you. Anything from that list... I know I'm still living by human effort, desire to acquire. Anything that's eros in me, anything that's sin in me, where I am self-centered or where I like to be valued, anywhere where I've been trying to earn your love, anywhere where I've had this agenda of what others can do for me, any of that stuff, all of my secrets that I hope no one discovers, I'm just bringing it to you right now because your word tells me that your love covers sin. Not just my sin, but a multitude of sin. Everywhere I've fallen short. And I'm giving it to you now, God. I'm not proud of it, but I'm giving it to you so that your love will cover all sin. I receive your forgiveness now. I receive your grace. Thank you that you're the God of the redo. You're the God of freedom. You desire all people to be saved. Thank you. <laughs> yes, 
You're the god of the redo for my doo-doo. Thank you, Jane. You're all going to remember this morning, aren't you? second area that we want to quickly do business with God is on anybody where we've kept score. Because I need to release anyone that I've been holding on to by keeping score. The people who've sinned against me. The people who've taken from me people who've led me in ways I shouldn't have been led, the people who've caused me to stumble. And anybody around me that I have judged because they're not doing as well as I think they should. Any ways that others have offended me. Any situations where I've been keeping score. Father, would you forgive me for scoring points and keeping score. You don't, and I don't want to. So I'm confessing it to you right now as sin, and I'm turning away from keeping score. And I'm releasing everybody who I've held on to by doing that. And I want to give forgiveness as freely as you give forgiveness to me. Holy Spirit, would you fill me with agape love that gives freely and goes lower for the sake of others? Mm. Thank you, Father. Just take a second to see the faces of those you need to release. And Literally, just open your hands and let them go. <laughs> Tell God you forgive them. Whatever the reasons, you forgive them, you release them. And the way we're going to finish this is that Galatians 4 verse 6 says, Because you are God's children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Holy Spirit pours love into our hearts every time we cry out to Him, every time we open our hearts to Him like little children. And for some of you, you may want to be like a like a little kid who's been outside playing and you tripped and fell and it hurts and there's stuff in your life that you want to just come running to God with. And then there's others of us who have been more like the older brother in the story of the prodigal. We've been so on our high horse about other people getting things wrong that we've forgotten to come like a little child. But either way, Holy Spirit, we're asking you now to begin to pour agape into our hearts. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. And so, Father, we are asking you now by your Spirit to pour your love into me. Your agape love that gives. Your love that's your way to me. Here I am, Father, a little child who needs love, a little child who wants to be held by my heavenly Father, a little child who wants to come further into the light, a little child who feels often broken but wants to be mended with gold. So right now in this quietness, Holy Spirit, would you come and pour agape into every heart in this room? Mm. Pour in your love. Holy Spirit, come and persuade my heart to trust you in a deeper way. Holy Spirit, come and give freedom. Holy Spirit, come and give freely. Bring me into rest in your grace. Knit my heart with yours in your love. Now open my heart to others to overflow with that love also. The way I believe we should close this morning is just simply by reaching out and place a hand on someone else's shoulder nearby. And say this with me, Holy Spirit, pour in your love to my brother, my sister. Pour in your love more and more until we all overflow. Bring freedom to this one. Bring joy to this one. Bring rest to this one. Bring wholeness to this one. Thank you that you are here to give love so that I will not perish but that we will all have everlasting life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.